Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. G'day and welcome to The Call. Ten stocks picked by you two experts one hour. It is Tuesday, the 5th of September. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great to have you with us. Our two experts on the show today, Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital and Rudy Philippic van Dyke from FN Arena. Welcome to both of you. And uh, Rudy, uh, what are your observations? I haven't spoken to you for a while, actually. What, what are you seeing is going on in the market at the moment? Uh, how are you feeling about equities and where they're tracking? <laughs> the gut feel. Yeah, the gut, the gut feel. feel. Um, I think it's, it's, it's hanging in the balance, I think. Uh, we, we just had a reporting season that was not as bad as feared, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was, it was, a, it was a very good reporting season. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a, a wishy-washy one. Um, forecasts still falling in Australia. We're looking towards uh, negative growth on average. We're looking towards less dividends for the year ahead. Um, you have to pick your sectors here. Uh, uh, at some point, the fact that reserve banks will no longer raise interest rates, that effect will wear off. And then I think we will start focusing on the reason why they don't do that anymore. Um, and maybe maybe with the impact of, 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 of hikes still to come. Mm. Um, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be very important what you own and maybe even more important what you don't own. In a right, yeah. yeah, we often forget that, don't we? Yes. Uh, <laughs> It's selling is perhaps more important than buying. Uh, Luke, what, what were your observations out of reporting season uh, overall make you more or less optimistic? Um, roughly agree with Rudy there, Andrew. I mean, it's, it's really in the balance. The actual reports themselves, look, it was probably slightly weaker than what I would have expected. But you take a step back and you adjust for the macro factors, um, and, and things are probably more released, uh, resilient. Sorry, in the you know what you'd call the real economy. We'll talk about a few like Solpats and, and um, Seven Group later on. Um, businesses like that are holding up. So your core cyclicals. Where I agree with Rudy, though, you've got to be very selective. If you said to me, what's the ASX 200 do, you know, over FY24, just the the sheer weighting of banks and miners and and REITs in that index, um, I think it makes it pretty hard to to see the ASX 200 really doing too much. There's just, there's headwinds across all three of those sectors. Um, Now, they can ease, as as Rudy points out, um, you know, interest rates being the the headwinds for for banks and REITs in particular. We may be seeing that the peak of rates and, and and maybe even FY24, we see we see a cut at some point. Um, but nonetheless, I, I do agree with that overall sentiment. I think it's in the balance. Um, you've got to be pretty selective, um, you know, as, as active portfolio managers. Uh, and you probably don't get, you know, the, the, the long-term average um, high single-digit, low-double-digit return out of just the index this year from, from where we're positioned and those, those major weightings and the headwinds they face. So 
yeah, stock stock pickers market. I know it's a cliche, but I think it's well and truly in effect right now. Yep. All right. Well, finally balanced. That seems to be the consensus then. All right. Well, let's uh, take a look at the first five stocks we're going to discuss. Janice Henderson, Hum Group, Perpetual, Cog Financial Services, and Red 5. Our stock of the day, well, been big news this morning. Uh, Qantas changes at the top, vacating the pilot seat is Alan Joyce early. Uh, he's uh, opted to um, jump as we uh, advised the board that he'll bring forward his retirement by two months. As of tomorrow, in fact, Chief Executive Designate Vanessa Hudson taking on the role of Managing Director and Group Chief Executive Effective tomorrow, September the 6th. And the appointment of Rob uh, Musselina as Group CFO will also be accelerated. Quantity is facing a class action lawsuit over complaints that it misled customers and failed to issue refunds for cancelled flights during the pandemic. It's also facing legal action from the ACCC in, uh, in similar claims just as far as the airline selling tickets for already cancelled flights. Uh, checking in on how those shares are tracking, or well, that's over the course of the year. Last time I looked, they were up about 1%, so positive reaction to, well, in fact, uh, yeah, well, that's that's a longer term outlook there, over five years, but um, certainly in response to today's news, uh, the shares up somewhat. Um, all right, Luke, let's get some response then. Uh, look, ever since those results were announced uh, in mid-August, the share price has come off about 10%. Clearly, uh, significant reputational damage having been done to the brand. Um, so, what do you make of this announcement? Uh, there has been significant pressure, of course, on Alan Joyce to accelerate his, his exit, and that's now happened. Yeah, probably had to happen. As you said, he'd already announced his, his retirement, sold a lot of shares, and it was just a matter of going through the handover. Um, given all of the you know uh, media backlash and political backlash to, to what's happened over the last few weeks, I think today's decision makes a lot of sense. And the reaction from the share price today probably indicates it's a bit of a non-event from that point of view. Um, taking a step back, though, and, and looking at the events of the last few weeks and the share price that gets pulled back, I mean, I think sometimes uh, as investors, we, we naturally assume that when you see headlines in the papers or, or something like that, um, it can, uh, share prices can often overreact to that near-term news. Um, this is an example, though, where I, I think you know the, the response is actually quite rational because if you look at the profitability of Qantas over the last few years, and, and anyone who's flown can certainly attest to this, um, you know it, it was clear that Qantas was not operating in a, a you know uh, a proper playing uh, playing field environment from a competitive point of view. Um, it was always going to be a question of sort of what was the what was the catalyst to change that. And I've always naturally assumed that airlines being airlines just naturally over time uh, as COVID becomes more and more in the rearview mirror you'll see um, new airlines pop up international peers come back to Australia and and you know Qantas's um, outsized margins will have to come down but of course that's all been brought forward by the you know Qatar Airways decision the backlash that's had and um, you know now that the ACCC looking at a bunch of other things that Qantas has been alleged to do so um, you know, from a reputational point of view, I think we'll still fly Qantas in, in a lot of ways. You know, we don't have many alternatives, but it probably does accelerate that time frame of, um, you know, the government in particular and the ACCC uh, potentially allowing competitors to come back into Australia, whether they reverse that Qatar decision or, you know, the next one that comes along gets gets approved or something like that. 
Um, so I'm not a, I'm not too enthused about the um, the outlook for Qantas. I, I think Alan Joyce as well. I made a comment um, last time I spoke about this actually back in May. Um, I think he's left a decent capital investment hole in the business as well. Look at the long term capex of the business, and it's been depressed through his tenure. Um, the, the age of the fleet has also increased. So there's probably a refresh that needs to happen there. So I think it's a bit of a handball for the new CEO and, and maybe we see some some turmoil over the next couple of years. Um, and like I said, I think that share price reaction is actually quite rational. So look, it's, it's probably one I'd be exiting. I think there's, there's more uh, headwinds than tailwinds for Qantas over the next probably you know, at least one, maybe up to three years. Um, and it's probably not the place where I'd be want to play right now. Yep. All right. Well, when you're talking airlines, you want tailwinds. You don't want headwinds, do you, Rudy? So, um, you know, look, talking about the ma- the rational market response we've seen since the results. So, yes. I mean, would you agree with that? When you when you talk airlines, I think you, you want cheap tickets and just forget about the share price. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yeah. But I, well, you're you're talking from a customer, not a shareholder point of view. No, both. You, but I, I'm so not a fan of uh, of investing in airlines. I mean. Um, Warren Buffett said it best, and 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 the problem with with airlines is as, as a extreme cyclicals, um, which always are uh, dependent on the vagaries of things that are outside of their control, is that it lasts for a while and then it just goes down in, in, into the gurgle again. Um, at the moment, we we've had an extremely um, healthy airline, if we just look at the net profit figures, but. Luke sort of touched upon it. I, th- I think what what Joyce has done very well, he's, he's reaped all the benefits in a very concentrated period of time and left all the issues to be sorted out to his successor. Mm. Right? We, have, we, have, we have the multi-billion program to, to basically to renew the fleet. We get all the ACCC things, we get the class actions. Um, there's also, in, in an irony, there's also a questions about his own uh, share trading. Let's mm. let's call it like that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm old enough to remember when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, and we had René Rifkin uh, introducing uh, Tipsy to Australia, and there were always rumours around what what's he up to because it was it was always rumours that not everything was above board. The irony here is that René Rifkin ultimately ended up in jail because he made $500 out of Qantas shares at the time, which you got convicted for for insider trading. Mm. So maybe that's a circle going around again. It started with Qantas shares and maybe it can get a tail end again uh, for, uh, for Joyce. But I don't think too many people, except the shareholders who made, who made an absolute killing out of Qantas when they bought it at the, at the bottom, I think not too many other people will uh, will revere him after he's left, I don't think. There's, yep. there's too much of a bad smell now. All right. So in terms of uh, the stock itself? You've Fly looked... them. Don't buy them. Right. It's a sell. <laughs> I or... never go there. I'd, I never sell because I don't own them in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But if you held them, you'd... Uh, I wouldn't need... Well, if you held them, you... The, the irony here is that ever since the big recovery out of the COVID period, the shares haven't actually gone anywhere because the market in general assumed that it was temporary. Yep. Even though we had record profits and all of that, the share price looked undervalued because nobody believed it was going to last forever and ever. So the irony is that you're actually not buying an airline that's expensively priced yep. here. All right. I'm taking that as a double sell then for, uh, for Qantas. All right. Let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one being Janice Henderson, this one picked by Michael. Um, it's uh, got around uh, 
322 billion US under shares, um, assets under management, I should say. Um, it's a September quarter guidance seeing a touch shy of consensus there. Um, you know, this has been, uh, funds management has been difficult, of course, over the past year or two. Rudy, what's your view on Janice Henderson? If you start with, if you start with the, the broader picture, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that over the next decade or so, um, the majority of active fund managers will probably disappear. Um, because beating indices on a consistent basis uh, is simply proving too, too difficult for most of them. Uh, and then, the, the, and, see, AI is going to come in there now. And, and AI, but, yeah. but AI is not necessarily going to help them. Uh, there's something called ETF industry, yeah. and they'll use, they use AI as well, and their costs go increasingly uh, cheaper and cheaper, and, and it becomes increasingly, they attract a little more money. So we already see that in this industry. I mean, uh, there's a reason why it's called Janus Henderson. That's already a, a merger of the two. And, and no doubt, they'll, at some point, they will, they'll be eaten by someone or they'll, they'll start eating some of the other ones. Um, the industry in, in, on the stock exchange here has pretty much been derated over the years. I mean, they're all dividend stocks now. The dividend on, on offer is quite high. Mm. But that means, of course, that investors have sort of like put a, put a discount on, on, on the share prices of, of, of all those fund managers in Australia. In this case, Janus Henderson probably is amongst the better ones now in terms of uh, fund outflows and, and immediate perspectives. My understanding is they're, they're, they're getting more traction on the institutional side now, but the institutional side means lower fees because institutions don't pay as much as, as, as us normal human beings. Um, and that in itself probably limits the, the upside from here. I mean, I have a little bit of a problem with, with buying fund managers because you're doubling up on the share market, mm. basically. Mm. I mean, share market goes well, fund managers up. Yeah. Share markets go down, fund managers go down. Yeah? So you're basically doubling up on, on the whole arithmetic of the, of the share market. So I'm not a big fan of owning them. And I do think there are, if you are going in that sector, I think there are better alternatives out there. Yeah. Having said so, if you own this one, you're probably happy collecting the dividends. You're probably doing it on the anticipation that they will they will get their act together at some point, and maybe you don't have really like a like a long term view on the, on their existence or survival. But um, I personally, I I wouldn't go there. All right, but you'd probably hold it. You can you hold it. it. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Luke. I agree with that. You would hold it if you're there. You're getting a, you know, five and a half percent yield, twelve times earnings. Um, in the last update, their fund was roughly flat. There were some outflows, but you know, matched by um, market movements and some FX movements as well. Um, so from that point of view, you know, it's it's fine. You can hold it. But I agree with Rudy. It's it's you really struggle to get excited about this overall sector and. Um, whether you know these these big behemoth fund managers fund managers are around in a decade remains to be seen. But um, Rudy touched on something that will definitely continue to occur, which is just fee compression. I mean, as they more and more align with their indexes, and and by size they naturally do. Uh, you know, when you have two hundred and twelve billion under management, you basically become an index. Um, you know, 
you, you find your fees compressing down to that lowest cost denominator, which right now are ETFs, some of them down around 10 to 20 basis points. Um, so I'm, I'm not a big fan of the industry over the longer term. I agree with Rudy. There's probably some some better plays. Um, you probably want to find ones that are beaten down and recovering, you know, probably not Magellan right now, but that sort of example, maybe six, nine months ago. Um, but you can hold this one for now. There's, there's probably a little downside around this valuation and this yield. Mm. Okay. All right. That's a double hold then. All right. Well, let's continue. Actually, we've got a few stocks just in the financial services uh, sector. Uh, let's uh, pick up on Hum Group. Uh, this one picked by Emily. Uh, it's a net profit uh, coming at 24 million. That was a bit short of uh, expectations there. Weaker revenue yields at the point of sale payment plans. Uh, it is in the BNPL space. In fact, uh, what a couple of months ago, uh, it was subject of uh, a uh, the corporate regulator put a stop, an interim stop order on it uh, by restricting it from issuing buy now pay later products to its new customers. That was that was sorted out, but it was a potential problem there. Luke, what's your view on Hum? Um, it's, it's a pretty messy business at the minute, Andrew. Um, it's the old Flexi Group, um, and you've got that core business still doing okay. You know, if you look at the results, um, it's it's all right. It's it's not you know growing too fast, and we're coming into a questionable consumer environment. Um, but but to your point, I mean, you look at the result, and their statutory net profit was three million. Their um, cash net profit, the way they define it, was twenty four million, as you said, and then their normalized number was seventy five, and so. There's a lot going in there. There's some, some you know, one-offs in inverted commas, which seem to recur every year. Um, there's some amortization of intangibles from acquisitions they've made, impairments, write-downs, a lot going on. Um, and long story short, when you've got a business like this where there's a lot going on from an accounting point of view and you're in that consumer finance space where I think there's some genuine questions now over the, the health of the of the consumer and particularly the finance where these guys play. Um, it's one that I'm not surprised the market's staying away from and, and that, that'd be my view as well. Um, this is the sort of stock you come to when it's you know pretty beaten down um, and, and you've seen um, large losses across the books, large impairments to, to their loans. Um, you haven't seen that yet. I mean, loss rates are still pretty low considering um, and, and and, you know, they're still growing those loan books quite strongly, which, you know, remains to be seen whether strategically that's the right move or not. So um, I'd be avoiding this one. If you're there, you obviously know the risk you're taking. It is a consumer finance business. You know the environment of the consumer. Um, you're getting a half decent yield. I think it's about four odd percent. But bearing in mind, you know, those those one-offs and stuff will flush out and I think you'll get a better dividend moving forward. Um, so you probably can continue to hold it. But I'd only hold it if you've got a real iron stomach for, for small caps and volatility and, um, you know, really exposed consumer cyclicals because that's what mm. this business is. Um, and, and I dare say most investors aren't like that. Um, and when push comes to shove, you know, it's not the sort of stock that a lot of people want to own. Um, but I, I will say a hold for the program, but understand you need to be that type of investor. Yeah, uh, that's hardly an endorsement there, Luke. Um, but I'll take it. You initially said the void, but you're sticking with a hold. Fair enough. Rudy? Luke is way too nice. You can, you can, you can tell he's such a nice guy. He's your perfect son-in-law. Uh, no, don't go there. It's shit, basically. <laughs> okay. um, let's 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 just go down to the core. I didn't mind Flexi Group in their in their previous existence. They did quite well for a while, and I know that a lot of um, small cap fund managers um, got a good return out of Flexi Group at the time. 
But you have to be careful. I mean, I'm just go to the core. I think investors are here because they, they always have that knee-jerk response because the share price has is now so much lower than where it was in the past. Mm. They sort of assume, oh, there has, has to be a good buy or a recovery candidate or whatever. I think that's why uh, shareholders are in there or investors are in there. But I think the mistake they're making is that when a company ends up in trouble, and this company is essentially in trouble already for a number of years, in particular, when times get tougher and times are getting tougher, it becomes even more difficult for them to really, really ride the ship. And you see that in the, in the results, you see that in the share price. And the risks now are, because there's no natural limit to how much bad news can come out of a company, as times get tougher, it's the, it's the vulnerable ones, the, the low quality ones that often come up with the bad news. Yeah? Mm. So even though the share price here was a lot lower than where it was, I still argue the potential for bad news here is, is, is higher than with a lot of other companies that are in a better position. So why would you be there? I, I would actually have a complete different approach. I would, I would argue it's never too late to sell mm. because a profit warning is never fully accounted for in the share price. And I would basically not go there because for me, it's too low quality. It's too troubled. It's, it's, there's too much going on there that is not positive. And why would you own a struggling small cap while you can own perfectly operating large cap stocks that give you so much better returns on a risk reward basis? All right. Okay. I think you sum that up then. Um, <laughs> I take that as certainly as an avoid from your point of view. All right, well, let's see if we can find a little more quality here in that space. What about Perpetual then? This one picked by William. Uh, it's a investment trustee company, has investment products, super financial advice, corporate services, and the like. Um, latest results: revenue f- uh, came in falling four uh, percent. That was short of expectations. Uh, earnings ten percent below forecasts there. Uh, you did struggle in the asset management side of the business. So, Rudy, what are your thoughts then on Perpetual? Well, Luke earlier said, uh, maybe if you go into fund managers, you buy the ones that, that, that have yet to do the recovery. Uh, this might be one of them. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it sounded so easy. They, they bought um, two, two fund managers in the US and, and Pendle, which was locally listed. Mm. And the whole idea was that you get new customers, new new type of customers, and you get the synergies out of those businesses, which guarantees you higher dividends, higher cash flows, and higher profits. Now that was a theory, and in practice, of course, uh, that fell flat this uh, this this August. So in, at the end of the day, it's it's obviously more difficult to achieve than in theory, but you can still probably take the view that they give them enough time, they'll, they'll, they'll ride the ship and they get the synergies out of it and they'll, they'll see profit growth there. Yeah? The advantage you have now is that the share price has come down, has come off quite a lot and, and looks way cheaper than, than many of the other ones in the sector. So you could give one, this one a go, you get your dividends, you get your, but in a, in a, in a, in a broad framework, I would repeat everything I just said about um, Janus Henderson. They have the same, uh, challenges that that industry faces, beating the index on a consistent basis, stopping the outflows, etc., etc. It's difficult. It's tough. Mm. Uh, fee pressure will not go away. Um, so, if you believe that they will get it right at some stage, by all means, um, go for it. But you're doubling up the share market again, etc., etc. So, I'm not a big fan of the sector, but I think if I had to choose between Janus Henderson and Perpetual, at this point, I'd probably go for Perpetual. 
All right. Indoors too. Yep. But I think there's other ones that are better. Yeah. Um, well, so I'm, I'm going to call that a hold from you. We then. can do that a hold, yes. Yeah. Okay. And just catch the dividends and be patient. Uh, yeah. All right. Luke? Um, I had this one come up a few weeks ago and, and, and sort of made the point, as Rudy pointed out, they'd made a big acquisition or a merger with Pendle. And mm. it's one of those things where you just have to give it time. I, I, very rarely do you see one plus one equal two when, when you have these big mergers take place. And there's always teething issues. The synergies never come through as quickly. The, the cost outs never happen as smoothly. And that's exactly what's happened here. Um, and combine that with, as Rudy said, the, the industry dynamics of farm outflows, fee compression, um, all of that piled onto uh, you know a decent miss and, and, and the share price coming off quite a lot. Um, I agree with his point though. I think if you were to look at the two stocks we've spoken about, Janice Hennon and Perpetual, Perpetual's the one to look at. You, you want to try and buy these guys when they're beaten down, um, and you want to play the same playbook that that you know that you had with Magellan, which was a much you know very high profile example. As soon as you see those farm outflows start to stabilise and, and hopefully go the other way. Um, that's when you look to, to come back in um, and, and, and you know, um, look to, to play that recovery in a stock like this. Um, look for now, look for the program. It's a hold. I think you've taken the pain if you were there already. Um, and you, as Rudy said, you have to give them time to, to go through the teething issues that inevitably come with a big merger. But I suspect they will happen. They, they always do. There's definitely synergies to be had with financial services like this. The problem is that in the short term, there's egos and there's people involved and it's difficult to extract them quickly. So give them time, but, but Perpetual have you know, historically been good managers and I think you'll see this stock do well in the future. Yep. Okay. Well, that's a double hold then for Perpetual, which was slightly more positive than the others that we've had so far. All right. Let's uh, carry on then with COG Financial Services. This is a, uh, what's a finance uh, broker aggregator and also equipment leasing business. Um, I think it's focused more on medium-sized enterprises. Uh, also has a stake in early pay. And so, okay, well, Luke, what's your take on COG? Yeah, more positive on this one, Andrew. Um, similar to the insurance brokers versus the insurers, you know, you, you want to own the brokers. Um, they're, they're much more capital light. Um, they can acquire for growth and, and you can get a nice compounding to them. Um, so COG, the, the broking side of the business, as you said, it's it's finance broking. It's generally that sort of small, medium business. But in the, in the sort of agriculture, industrial, construction, heavy equipment sort of space, we're not talking about Silver Chef, you know, which was cafes and, and you know, financing a um, coffee machine or something like that, which is very cyclical and, and, and very difficult. These guys, it's much more stable. It's, it's usually vehicles and, and farm equipment and things like that. Um, I like that business. And, and you know, it, it's grown very steadily. They've, they've tacked on brokers all around the country. They've now got a national footprint. Um, so from that side of the business, I like it. And, and I think you can easily hold this stock on the back of that. Um, looking at the last result, though, where they've sort of, you know, I, I won't say they had a few missteps, but they, they've dipped their toe into some funds management Um you know, um, syndicating up some of their loans into notes, things like that. Early pay, it's, you know, backfired on them as, as a substantial holder in that business, which has had a bit of a blow up in that invoice factoring space. Um, and so the actual result 
in this um, FY23 was a bit muddied and, and sort of had to make some adjustments to it to try and get to the core of what that broking business looks like. Um, but I tried to do that and, and I got to about nine times earnings on that sort of core broking business plus, um, you know, the, the, the ad hoc stuff they do around it. Um, and to me, that's a pretty good price. Um, we're going into a bit more of an uncertain um, economy. Like I said, I expect where they play will hold up a little bit better than some other spaces. Um, so I can comfortably hold this business. And, and I would actually say it's only small, 259 mil market cap. Um, but if you're someone, again, if you've got the stomach for an investment like this, it is cyclical, it is small. Um, I actually think you could have a, a speculative sort of buy on something like this. It's it's cheap. And I really like that exposure to, to brokers rather than the actual balance sheet risk themselves, which, you know, that's what you're taking when you invest in something like a, a hum before, which which takes on the um, the risk of the loan. So, um, yeah, hold, definitely a hold, but, but possibly even a speculative buy for, for the right investor. All right. Well, that's encouraging. Rudy? Do you agree? Oh, yeah, I agree with a lot. Um, so I have to say something different because I'm not going to repeat everything well, that Luke just said. Can. Yeah, you can say did I, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I, th- I think the fact these guys are very ambitious. They're small, mm. but they're very ambitious. So they take they also take investments in other businesses. That's, that's part of the a spe- specific part of the strategy. And that with early pay, for example, shows you the risks with that. I mean, they're not necessarily picking the right targets. I mean. Uh, they're small, then they're not highly valued here. Uh, probably the reason for that is because they are small and a lot of the small cap um, financial companies um, have very much disappointed in August. So there's a lot of risk in the um, all the, 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 the credit providers, the, the brokers, everything, except the insurance brokers, uh, but, but the mortgage brokers and everything, everything is under pressure there. Mm. And this sort of is sidelings in that same. So that's why they're not expensive. So, but, but they are small cap. And as Luke sort of highlighted, uh, small cap companies, when, 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 when headwinds arrive, they can, have a, they can have a major impact. The, the advantage you have here is that you're not overpaying. And for all you know, they might have a better year ahead because they had so much headwinds uh, in 23. So I would actually agree with the speculative buy uh, on the premise that uh, you don't put too much money in, the, in, in, in these guys because uh, things can turn around quite quickly. But I, I think you can, you can, for the time being, you, you could give it a punt. You give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Speculative buy. Well, I'm taking that as a double spec buy. I know. Yeah, so that's one to consider then. Um, all right, let's put that on the list for COG Financial Services. All right, let's uh, get to our fifth stock there and we're going into a completely different sector. Let's go digging in the resources with a Goldie, that being Red 5, uh, which has, uh, well, it's... Uh, Got some operations in the Eastern Goldfields region of WA. Did actually record a full-year loss of close to $9 million, uh, as it tries to ramp up its production at its uh, its first uh, gold mine there, uh, which uh, got going, I think, in June last mm. year. Uh, but as you can see, the, uh, the share price is going in the right direction, certainly over the past month. Uh, all right, Rudy, give us your take then on Red cool, 5. Producer. This one... As, yes, this one has been on my radar because the, uh, in the gold sector, there's that, there's that phenomenon when, when an, an explorer develops into a producer, on the premise that they make that transition correctly, you can make big gains. Mm. Um, and, and, and Red 5 uh, previously was mentioned as 
potentially one of those successful transitioners, let's call it like that. Um, that's one part of it, and, the, and yes, and the result in August was well received, hence the share price where it is. Um, but most investors, I always think, they always buy gold producers because they, they, they're thinking that the gold price will, will rally. I mean, the gold price is not rallying at all. I mean, it hasn't rallied for two years now. And, and as long as the bond, the bond market um, is doing what it's doing this year, uh, gold, the gold price itself is very unlikely to rally. So the good, the good decision here probably is that you, that you have to buy those companies that, have an, that their, indi their individual characteristics allow them to produce value for shareholders because they can't be dependent on the gold price because that's not happening. So are you uh, looking at the low cost producers then? Or you, or that's 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 one. Or you you take one like Red Five that mm. it potentially makes that transition, yeah, in a success story, and then you get you get your share price upside. But is that passed down? And, um, well, that's that's the question, isn't it? You might have to be a little bit more more patient here. I do think, however, that at some point the gold price will rally again, but we may have to wait until next year for that mm. or whatever. Mm. I mean, in the meantime, you have to be very careful. I personally. My strategy always is I never buy gold producers because I, I loathe the, the individual risk profile that comes with them. I mean, they miss production report and the share price goes down. So I personally play that sector through a gold ETF, whereby I only have to, only have to watch US bond yields at the currency and, uh, and my ETF performs or not. Yep. Um, but in terms of local gold producers, um, you obviously missed the rally. That's the obvious observation to make. You have a higher risk profile because this one is still making that transition. Um, but if you're on there, uh, you, might, you might as well stick with it because, um, and, and then take the volatility on board. Mm. Okay. All right, that's a hold then. If that makes sense. It does. Okay, Luke. Luke has, Luke here with Luke us. Has he's frozen. Out. He's he's dumbfounded by what you just said. He's, he's, uh, he's, look, it looks as though we might have lost Luke he's there. So out. let's. Um, Man, my story was so boring to him. Yeah. <laughs> let's see if we can get Luke back. In the meantime, look, we might just run through because we're at the end of our sort of uh, our first five, and we might be able to get Luke back and just uh, get his view on Red Five. But let's um, review where we've been for the first half of the show. And of course, we began with our stock of the day, which was Qantas. And uh, well, perhaps no surprise, we do have a double sell on it given the travails of the company. And of course, that news today that Alan Joyce has, has uh, brought forward his retirement. Um, Luke pointing out he's not enthused uh, by the outlook, particularly given it's an aging fleet. And that's also a point that Rudy made there, but he's generally wouldn't invest in airlines anyway. So that is a, a double sell there for Qantas. In terms of those stocks as picked by you, uh, Janice Henderson, um, yeah, Rudy, not a fan really of uh, particularly those active fund managers saying that uh, we're likely to see fewer of them uh, going forward. He's got a hold on it, as does Luke, uh, noting out there it's uh, suffering there from uh, fee compression. Uh, Hum Group, well, let me sum this up. Rudy calling it a shit stock, basically, <laughs> which um, and I think Luke didn't go that far, but he is avoiding it. Perhaps a hold, but largely avoiding it. So there's a double avoid for Hum, uh, Perpetual. A uh, Rudy pointing out does sort of look cheap. Waiting for those synergies to come through. Certainly in terms of acquisition of Pendle, he's got a hold on it. Uh, Luke also a hold on it, and Cog Financial Services there. Uh, both noting it is a small company. 
uh, it relatively attractive valuation saying, Luke, a specy buy and Rudy following through also with a specy buy. So a double spec buy on COG Financial Services. And finally, they're red five in the gold space, having, as Rudy has pointed out there, transitioning from an explorer to a producer. He does have a hold on it, but largely preferring to play gold in terms of holding an ETF, not directly a producer. Uh, all right, I don't know if we've got uh, Luke back, do we? Let's just see. We do. Hey, Luke, um, I think we've got you back. Just quickly then, what do you, what's your view on uh, Red5? Yeah, sorry, dropped out for the right. salient points. Yeah. Um, I, I heard most of it, though, and, and I agree. I think it's a it's a hold here. You're going through that tricky period of, of going from, um, you know, they're not explorers, but bringing their producing mine um, up, to, up to production. And it looks like they're doing a pretty good job. Um, they've got their production running above nameplate. Um, they've got a, a nice hedge in place, um, you know, generating good um, cash flow. The profits took a hit because of some accounting things in this last report. So maybe just put that to the side. Um, the stock prices had to run the valuations up there. I think you comfortably hold it. Um, and just watch the next couple of quarters. There's a there's a pretty big guidance range in place here. Um, if they come into the lower end of that guidance, you'll probably see that share price come off, you know, uh, be pretty weak. Um, but at the, at the higher end, they'll be a very profitable business and more than justify the current price. So hold it here. If you want that sort of domestic gold exposure, because it's all WA, um, I'd prefer that to, to African or, or, you know, we'll talk, talk about another one later on. Um, so you could maybe have a have a look at something like Red 5, but, but yeah, comfortable hold. Yep. Okay. All right. That's a double hold then for Red 5. All right. So that is our, uh, our first five. Uh, just a reminder of our own high conviction fund that we're tracking here at the core Pick by Investment Committee, the latest episode of that. It's live for you to watch at ausbit.com. Checking in on the update. Going into August, index was replaced by AUB. The committee spent to cash 1% each to seek Altium and Prometicus. In terms of its performance, the fund is up 11.25% on a cumulative return basis since its inception last March, as in March last year. So keep your requests sending in. Keep the call switched on to see what our committee will be looking at next. All right, so the next five we're going to take a look at. St. Barbara, Sol Patterson. Fleet Partners, Maxi Parts, and Seven Group. So let's continue. We just came off the back of Red 5 in the gold space. Let's then take a look at St. Barbara. And um, well, taking a look at the share price, uh, it's been a bit of a tale of woe over the past uh, four or five years. It's been on a continuing downward trajectory there. And uh, interesting though, uh, the company's chief executive has just uh, upped his stake in the company. He's bought around half a million shares. So uh, it's also sold its uh, Leonora gold asset to Genesis Minerals recently for 600 million, but uh, has obviously had a deteriorating uh, uh, financial position and operational position at the same time, which has seen its share price uh, fall. So Luke, what's your view on St. Barbara? Yeah, there was a, not a lot to like with this one, Andrew. Um, I wasn't too familiar with the story, so I was catching up on it, you know, doing the, the research before the show and just reading the FY23 annual report. I mean, you know, what could go wrong went wrong for this business. Um, as you said, the one positive is they've sold their Leonora asset. Now, I don't know the business well. There's a fair chance they've probably sold their best asset, though, and you often see that when 
you have businesses that are struggling and maybe they're in need of some balance sheet repair, um, the only thing you can usually sell at a half decent value is your best assets. And so you're, you're left with the, you know, you're left with the remainder. Um, and in this case, the remainder is a Canadian mine that they had to put into care and maintenance because of some regulatory issues um, and also a, a Papua New Guinean mine as well, which, you know, obviously comes with some, um, some, some regulatory risk as well, some geopolitical risk. Um, so yeah, that that share price basically sums it up. This this is a business, again, like it may be bombed out. There may be value here for the the, the really iron stomached investor, but I don't know it anywhere well enough to suggest that, that might be the case. And from what I was looking at, you've now got, as I said, two mines that are left. One of them they're not even generating any production at at the minute, and the other one its production was going backwards and only just managed to eke out a small profit this year. So. This is one I'd be running away from. Mm. Um, and, and again, just comparing the two that we have today, you'd be looking at something like a Red 5 well before you'd you know, um, even contemplate something like St. Barbara. Yep. Okay. Ready? I'm going to show my age here. Um, this one has now used up uh, two, maybe three of his uh, seven lives that you have. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, very telling probably, uh, earlier... Uh, they, they actually had suitors coming to, to, to try to buy the whole company and then change their mind. And they're like, you know what, we just, we just want this one asset. The problem with, with, uh, with St. Barbara was, uh, and that's, that's a lesson for investors as well, because that's becoming ever more important now, is debt. Mm. I mean, too much debt, it's going to kill the company. Uh, this company was essentially going under. If they hadn't found a buyer, um, either for the company as a whole or for one of their assets, uh, they would have gone under, essentially. Um, so now you get a completely different company. They've sold their assets, mm. they, right? but, what you uh, but they have no profits. Yeah. Right? So now they have to basically restart again. Um, it's obviously a turnaround story. Right? Warren Buffett says most turnaround stories never really turn around. Um, so you have a completely different risk profile. I mean, this is, this is for someone who has uh, eternal patience and very high risk appetite. Which you don't have. So Me? No. Yeah. <laughs> so take that as an avoid. Barge ball. You know barge yeah, ball yeah. and okay. circle around yeah, it? Yeah, nowhere near it. And, 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 and just, just, just have a pint with you and just, just observe what's happening. It's a spectacle. Okay. All right. Let's leave the gold space there and then. Uh, and we spoke about this earlier, the next one being Sol Pats, uh, picked by Joseph. It is a diversified uh, investment company, uh, what, telco, building products, property, agriculture, even swimming pools, Mine, bit of mining as well. Uh, and on that space, in fact, it's got a significant stake in the coal miner New Hope. Uh, and also potentially what's uh, some funding arrangements with NextGen Energy in Canada in terms of uranium. Uh, fascinating, because it's got its finger in so many different pies. So, Rudy, what, do you, what is your view of Solpats? I have a suspicion that Luke is going to like it much more than I do. Um, fossil fuels, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Obviously coal, they've, they've, they've benefited a lot from the coal price, of course. Yep. Uh, and that's going to come off. So they probably will have a year of uh, more moderation ahead of them. But nevertheless, I know it has many fans. It pays a steadily growing dividend. And they, they tend to have a knack of, uh, of, of picking commodities very well. Um, there's obviously the, the, still the cross-holding with, uh, with Brickworks. Mm. Um, 
I'm not a big fan of, of, uh, of commodities, so um, uh, it's not, not to my taste. But I do know that maybe I'm, I'm, I'm speculating now that the like of uh, Luke might be, uh, might be more enthusiastic about soul pads. All right, but uh, you, what would you call it? A hold? Yeah, you can have your spending dividend. And of yeah. course, there's plenty of investors out there who get really excited when the coal price goes up. Yep. Okay. You, need, right. you, you want my pen? Yeah, I just like that's I've been writing too much. Uh, all right, Luke, uh, what's your view then on uh, on Solpats? Yeah, it's it's an easy hold. I mean, you look at the long term of the company and the dividend. Um, you know, you can easily hold this business for the long term. Um, as for whether you buy it today, look, I actually agree, Rudy. I mean, the, you look at the businesses their own; they are cyclical businesses, um, and and that's a pretty common theme across. You know the conglomerate style companies on the ASX. Um, when you stay domestic, you know, we don't have a burgeoning tech sector. Um, financials, you know, generally most of them are, are overseas as well. So what we do well is is dig stuff out of the ground and, and send it overseas. So inevitably businesses like this find themselves in those sorts of sectors. Um, and I think you probably you know, they're probably over earning a little bit today when you look at New Hope and, and some of the, the portfolio companies. But I would fall back to just the, the, the quality of management as capital allocators with, with Rob Rob Milner, obviously, as chairman um, heralding that. Um, so comfortable hold. Um, you could even buy it. Like, again, you would need a, a long-term focus, I think. If you've got a, a five, 10-plus year outlook, you know, you could probably buy Solpats at any point in time. Mm. Um, but for a more shorter-term outlook, it's, it's a hold. Um, just on the valuation and the cyclicality of where they are. Yep. Thank you, Oaks. That's a double hold then for Salt Pats. Let's hit the road now with the next couple of stocks. The first one being Fleet Partners, pitched by Richard. This is Fleet Management and a leasing company. Uh, did come up with some uh, stronger third quarter results across its divisions, uh, also potentially benefiting from uh, what we're seeing with transition to EVs, which is now playing in, and you can see that share price going in the right direction. Luke, Fleet Partners. Um, I, I thought I'd never heard of this business, but it's actually the old Eclipse Group. Um, and, and it's a massive turnaround from what I remember the old Eclipse Group being. And, and you know, absolute credit to, to management on the turnaround that they've, they've had. Um, it's in that sort of fleet management salary packaging space, um, you know, competes alongside Smart Group, Macmillan Shakespeare, um, SG Fleet. Um, Looking at the result, there's a few things going on. Um, number one is they are over-earning on end-of-lease income. So basically, they'll, they'll um, supply a vehicle to a customer. They'll usually um, sort of um, amortize that over three to four years. And then at the life of that contract, they'll then sell that vehicle into the used car market. And now, given where used car prices are, they're getting a very nice benefit from the extra income they're getting from, from selling their, their new cars into the used market afterwards um, and well above the, the valuations that they've written it down to um, over those, those three or four years. So bear that in mind, they are over-earning. That being said, um, I was very surprised to see the economics of electric vehicles for this business. And, and I had a quick look at McMillan, Shakespeare, Smart Group as well. Um, these guys are all benefiting from a, a big pivot towards electric vehicles for, for um, commercial fleets and for government fleets. Um, and the main reason why is 
they cost more. So, so you know, normal normal um, internal combustion engines, fifty two thousand is their average price for an EV. That's sixty nine. So that's you know, it, it's it's a nice revenue boost for for, for this whole sector. Um, and of course, it's largely funded by the government with the rebates and, and um, things they have for EVs. Um, so you've got those two competing factors. You've got, I think, they're over-earning on one end, but then a nice sort of medium, longer-term structural trend. Nine times earnings, and, and you know, there's been a few whispers about um, M&A in the space. Uh, Macmillan Shakespeare, I think, has even been linked to fleet partners in, in the past. Um, so easy hold for me. I actually think you could probably buy it just on the, the sort of um, EV uh, benefits they're going to have, the cheap valuation. But just keep an eye on that end of lease income. If that used car market falls off quicker than expected, which it may well do, um, you'll see profits pull back pretty sharply. That valuation may go from nine to sort of 14, 15 pretty quickly. But um, I actually think this one, it was a lot better than what I expected it to be, Andrew. I think this is a buy. Um, and my other point, sorry, just quickly, uh, management's bought nearly a quarter of the shares on issue over the last year or so, which is just amazing. They're just cannibalizing themselves and you're seeing some massive EPS growth. So um, the, the turnaround here has been very, very impressive from what I knew of Eclipse. Yeah, all right. Well, you just said it. A turnaround that's impressive. You yes. said they don't exist. Well, I, I was just quoting Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> you can never question the, the wise old man. Um, I, 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 but I agree that the, the EV, if, if you want to buy EV beneficiaries, mm. this is the sector. And, and, and Luke just mentioned all the companies that are on the stock exchange. There's two things I would hold against them. One is they are the smallest of the four. And the second uh, element, which is probably more important in the short term, all three share prices have pulled back recently, except fleet partners. Mm. So I don't know exactly why their share price hasn't followed the other three in the sector, but that would make me a little bit more cautious unless you are aware of a reason why they wouldn't pull back. Um, so I would personally, I would, I would actually, by nature, I, I usually prefer the larger players in the industry. Yep. And that would, he, that would be Macmillan, Shakespeare and Smart Corp in this case. But I definitely think you can, you can um, with the momentum going, you can, you can put a, like Luke likes to say, a comfortable hold on this one. Yeah. Or is it an easy hold? Well, I don't know. Maybe you hold it and you sleep well at night. Is that the case? <laughs> a sleep well at night hold. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's stay on the road then. Uh, the next one we're going to look at is Maxi Parts. It is uh, one of the country's largest truck and trailer parts companies. Um, uh, it's net profit uh, for FY23 ahead of forecasts there, uh, certainly bumped up by a 28% increase in revenue, Rudy. Acquisitions. We, all, we always think those, I mean, yes, they are. It's trucks and lorries, basically. They, they provide the, the parts for it, and that's a nice business. But longer term, how, how are the EVs going to impact on, on, on that sector that's uncertain? Mm. It's essentially a, a, a very small company. They were... They very proudly announced that they now have more than 200 million in revenue. Um, that's obviously in share market terms, that's nothing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and parts of acquisitions got them there. At the moment, it would appear momentum is strong. You see that in the share price. Uh, they're very confident that the, the, the year ahead will look uh, very good for them. So you can, you can hold them here, you get the dividends, you get the momentum, but it has to come with all the usual uh, warning signals. It's a small cap. If things turn around, share price can respond very quickly and very savagely. So you have to do it with um, with the right 
amount and the right risk appetite. Otherwise, don't go there. All right, I'm calling that an uneasy hold. Maybe it's an uneasy yeah. hold. <laughs> because these you things, wake up in the these things can turn around really, really quickly. Yeah, okay. Luke? I love the different holds. Um, I'm also a hold. I'll, I'll try and think of a name for what type of hold I am. Give me a second. Um, but look, again, like, you know, turnaround seldom turn. This is maybe not where Fleet Partners was just before, but it's actually been a nice little turnaround from the management team here. Um, this business used to be called Maxi Trans, um, and it played in a much more diversified space. Um, and, and, you know, management came in and, as Rudy said, they made some acquisitions and, and spun off some other segments that have now focused um, almost completely on, on truck parts. Um, and it can be a very lucrative business. I mean, a, a much larger peer on the ASX is Supply Networks. Um, and supply networks trades at a pretty lofty valuation, but the main reason why is it's an extremely well run. And, and when you have a very well run distributor, um, they can be fantastic businesses to compound over time. Now, we haven't seen what a cycle looks like. And as Rudy points out, there may be long term headwinds from EVs requiring less parts than, than traditional trucks um, and, and other heavy vehicles. So, you know, there'd be there'd be reasons maybe not to get too excited about a business like this. And that share price run it's had, it's now on 18 times earnings, which for me is getting right up there for what I would want to pay for a business like this. So I would say hold, but I would agree though with Rudy, it's not it's not the most comfortable hold given that valuation. Um, but I think the quality of the business has really improved over the last couple of years. And, and again, another credit to management. They've acquired well, um, spun off assets well, the balance sheet's in a good place. So I think you can hold it. Um, but just watch that valuation. I think it's it's at a point now where you need that execution to continue um, because it's it's well and truly at, at, the, at the top end of what you would want to pay for a business like this. Yep. Okay. Well, that's a double hold then for Maxi Group. All right. Let's round it out with Seven Group. Uh, talk about diversity. This is certainly one. Um, it did um, it had an earnings beat by about five percent. In fact, uh, that was certainly judged by Macquarie. Uh, so, I talk about the diversity there. It has uh, West Track in Earth Moving, um, also uh, Coates Hire, Borrell. Uh, it's got a stake in Beach Energy, which has proved to be a bit of a drag on the business. Um, so, this, of course, is uh, Kerry Stokes Group. Luke, how do you view Seven Group? Um, pretty favourably, Andrew. Um, you compare it to Solpats and, and those comments I made before. I mean, it's it's a similar style of conglomerate around that sort of heavy industry space and, and mining exposure. They've got um, obviously the energy energy um, exposure through Beach and and some um, uh, Seven Group stuff they do. Um, but it's one of those businesses where. All of the segments are continuing to do well. The, the cycle is strong and supporting them, and the commentary is that they expect that con- to continue. Does, um, does that include media, they, though? Is that a bit of a uh, sore point? Me, look, media is soft, but to, but to be honest, other than the name Seven in the title, uh, media is barely contributing to this business anymore. Um, you know, it's, it's becoming a, a more and more irrelevant segment for them over time. It's very much a, a an industrial focused segment with, you know, more than probably three quarters of the of the profit coming from um, West Track Coats and, and now Borrell. Um, and and then, like I said, their outlook for those segments was quite strong. And, and they did note that even though mining exploration is starting to, to, to see a bit of a hit as capital markets dry up for the juniors, um, you know, where they operate in, in production, 
traction um, is still very strong and, and they generate a lot of their revenue in West Track in particular um, from support and maintenance, which of course has to always continue when BHP and Rio and, and the, the the majors, you know, keep, keep digging stuff out of the ground. Um, you know, and again, you come back to capital allocation being why you'd hold this business over the long term. Um, you know, they bought Borrell when no one wanted to touch Borrell. And you look at the turnaround in the business, operationally was very strong, um, you know, more than triple digits, EBIT growth, but the share price growth as well. So um, credit to them. That I saw they took a little bit off the other the other day. I think, they, you know, about 1% um, of the stock traded hands, um, locking in a bit of profit there. So I think this is one you can probably buy quite comfortably. 15 times earnings, be mindful of that cyclicality, but near term, as I said, they're pretty confident that the cycle supports them and I trust the the Stokes um, and, and the team there to, to continue to allocate capital well mm. um, you know, throughout the cycle. All right. Luke's rounded it out with a buy. Rudy, do you agree? Before I agree on that one, yeah. um, unfortunately, we don't have any technology stocks uh, because otherwise I would disagree with Luke because we do have very well managed a very high quality technology stocks on the stock exchange. So it's not about not about banks and resources only. But I agree this 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 is this is one of the better plays on the stock exchange if you want to play that uh, that cyclical part and, and the likes of West Track uh, are on fire so to speak. Mm. And that's when you, that's when you that's when you buy them basically. So there is a buy. Oh, short and sweet. It's a buy. Yeah. Okay, that is a double buy. So certainly one for the investment. No, not even a speculative buy. No, no. Okay, it's a solid buy. It's a, a sleep well at night buy. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's cyclical. You sleep, <laughs> okay, you sleep, now. You sleep well today. <laughs> Maybe not next Maybe year. Maybe not next week. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, let's round it out. The second half of the show then. Uh, we began with another gold miner in uh, St. Barbara. And that was not uh, received well. In fact, um, well, they talk about uh, having offloaded perhaps its best asset. Um, Look, it is a double avoid, essentially, from both Luke and Rudy. Um, Then we got on to Solpats, that uh, diversified investment business, um, looking at a a positive dividends there, which Rudy likes. It is a hold, also a hold there from Luke. Fleet Partners, a turnaround story there. It is a, um, a hold from Luke, potential buy, in fact, he's saying, and a hold from Rudy. Uh, Maxi Group, a double hold from both, and just rounding out there, Seven Group, it is a double buy. All right, that is the show for today. Thank you to our guest, Rudy. Thanks for joining us from FN Arena. I happened to be in the neighbourhood and I thought, let's, let's hop in. Yeah, why not? Good that you could drop by then. And Luke... To you, thanks for joining us, Mary with the Capital. Thanks, gents. It was a good show. Cheers. All right. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, you can go to ausbiz.co forward slash callpicks or tweet us at ausbiztv. Stay with us. The Pulse is up next. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.